0: Welcome to Soccer Talk, a podcast about soccer in Iowa presented by Kick It Forward and sponsored by Scott Insurance Services, as well as Michael Keener, attorney at law. Scott
1: Insurance Services is an independent insurance agency located in West Des Moines, Iowa, servicing Central Iowa and all surrounding states. They are family owned and are a locally operated business with over 125 years of experience in the insurance services industry, specializing in personal and commercial insurance. They are a good friend of the pod, a huge supporter of soccer in Iowa, and run by Iowa soccer legend, Billy Scott. Michael Keener, attorney at law. Based in Des Moines, Michael's practice includes
0: trial and litigation matters with an emphasis on commercial litigation, Personal injury, criminal defense, and issues in the legislature and Iowa's administrative agencies. Michael is a longtime supporter of Kick It Forward and the work it does in Iowa's soccer community. You can reach him at 515 245 4330 or via email at Michael Geener at griefsydney.com. That's M K U E H N E R griefsydney.com g-r-e-f-e-s-i-d-n-e-y.com
1: Keener at griefsydney.com michael keener attorney at law this podcast is now distributed on multiple platforms including apple music and spotify make sure to subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes hi there I'm Ben Brackett with my good friend, Blake Severs, and we're here to talk soccer. That's right, Ben. All Iowa soccer, all the time. Welcome to the show.
0: Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, Iowa soccer supporters. Ben Brackett
1: back again with my good friend and co-host, Blake Severs. Blake, what's up? Hey, good morning, Ben super excited again in the studio now we've got some some work on the walls to look at oh, and, it is, uh, it's, it's just it's quite engaging
0: it just makes me feel all sockery and and warm inside uh we've got all sorts of cool stuff up on the walls you know, you've probably seen our pictures on on twitter and facebook but if not uh stay tuned because we will continue to post awesome pics i'm gonna um,
1: start over now that was <laughs> and you know like something pretty great too bad literally we just got a notification. Christine Lilly, Women's World Cup, veteran star, is Did now she like our
0: tweet or she follows? She us? is
1: now following. Ooh. So you know, so that's uh that could be our our biggest claim to fame right now in the soccer world, our, our most known follower. We've had some uh
0: but that's definitely been something we've been chasing a little bit. Uh, also you know, Christine Lilly, we'll uh maybe give you a shout later. Uh, she's probably over in France watching the women dominate in the World Cup yeah at the big game this afternoon that's right uh, well we'll just maybe we, that's something we talk about quick the Women's World Cup uh, the USA women play their third group game today uh, they play Sweden uh, tie and they go through uh, win they win the group uh, and a loss we'll we'll just have to see how the rest of the results go I think but uh, they've been super fun to watch um Crushing their opponents so far, but uh, today's going to be a big test, right,
1: Blake? It will. It will. You know, they go from scoring a lot of goals down to a little more of a formidable opponent. So we'll see. We'll see how uh, see how they do. Yeah, hopefully they
0: will continue to be more fun to watch than our men's team, who's playing in the Gold Cup and they had a quote-unquote big win the other night against uh, uh, Guyana, which is a small country in uh, Central America, I believe. Um, Anyway, uh, the U.S. men's national team is always kind of one of these things that uh, sometimes, as an American, is tough to watch. But, I don't know, Severs doesn't seem super interested in this line of conversation. He's just looking around the room.
1: No, I was just, you know, Ben, I was going to say, you know, we, (laughs) uh, in our high school podcast, you know, we some of our locations um, of some of these smaller cities, we weren't quite 100% know exactly where all these towns are in Guyana, you know, I'm not sure if you know hundred percent so we may have to call you know one of our big supporters out of Southeast Iowa uh, Eric Todemeyer uh, Todemeyer farms down there has has helped us uh, extensively with with locating some of these you know some of these municip- municipalities that we may not know where they're at and I'm, I'm interested to see if his knowledge uh, can spread from you know the borders of Iowa down to the Caribbean and Central America. That's right. We're talking local geography versus global geography. We'll test you out, old
0: Totemeyer. I'm pretty excited to give you that shout here, and maybe we'll give you a, a quick segment the next pod.
1: Um, and on that note, Ben, you know, speaking of pods, yeah, absolutely. Pretty, I don't know, pretty exciting news. The, we've got uh, another soccer pod that uh, has been produced. So now, um, Corn Fed Coaching yeah. with uh, John Chota, Jack Andrews yeah we're not the only pod in town anymore we love it yes you know the the city of des moines has gone from i think maybe zero pods pod port to pod rich (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah which is great so you know make sure you guys follow them listen to them um they had ross Moffat on um the other day talking talking soccer so i don't think we're pretty excited pretty interested to see kind of what content they produce and more soccer here in Iowa can only be for the good, right, ben? Yeah,
0: but I am going to chirp our boy, John Chota. We saw you at the state tournament, and you didn't even mention this to us. We would have loved to talk about it, and uh, we think it's cool that uh, there's, you know, other people uh, getting out there and talking about it, and I think the the, the more we uh, open the conversation, the better off uh, the whole game of soccer is going to be, I think.
1: Yeah, I mean, we sat next to John Chota for over 45 minutes. Um, that's of his opinions, but not, not the more than called. not more than two yards away from him, and uh, we never got dropped. So he kind of he did a great job of holding that holding that from us. So
0: yeah, well, Chota, we love you. Um, love to chat about it sometime if you guys want. And uh, good luck to you guys as you uh, uh, you know take on this endeavor. It's it's been really fun for us uh, as you guys all know. We we you know we talk about how excited we are to get on the pod and sit down in the studio and. Uh, we're working on, uh, you know, kind of the memorabilia walls and um, our sound uh, sound recording setup, our audio setup. It's it's been really fun, right, Blake? Absolutely, Ben. So um... Um, so let's let's just transition into our our uh, our interview for the day, which probably qualifies as a, an Iowa Legend uh, series interview, although it is a repeat. Which, um, if oddly enough or funnily enough, I think is probably the right way to say it. Uh, Sean Holmes is our, our guest and he joked that he's like a you know like a recurring host on SNL um, Saturday Night Live which um, I think we might just have to turn into a thing.
1: Yeah well we we may have to pump the brakes we'll, we'll have to see what <laughs> our see what our audience audience thinks on that.
0: Well anyway so so, so Sean uh, was generous enough with his time to come on and talk about some of the the action that we've had over the past four six weeks uh, and just kind of about soccer as a whole. He was uh widely listened to his first time through so we thought we'd see uh if people want to hear him again um so without further ado let's welcome sean holmes to the pod all right welcome back
2: coach holmes sean holmes nice to see you am i the first time first two-time guy you are the second time i think that's accurate yeah how does that Uh, feel although the titan tactician has been on several times true well I feel like Saturday Night Live you know when you host five times they give you a jacket I feel that I should get some kind of party gift today
1: kind of we worked today backwards. it's only been two times but I mean you know
2: yeah but two well, yeah, but this is all you guys aren't Saturday Night Live yet right is this year 40 for you guys yeah well when you when you get there episode. two I think in, in relative terms two is something to be able well I think this is celebrated. episode
0: 27 so two out of 27 yeah you're doing pretty well yeah. you brought us a
2: gift today so that's awesome so I'm uh, yeah we're working backwards right now. yeah I like it. I can't wait for you guys to tweet that. That is a legendary picture and it's like like when a a, like a billionaire loans art to a fancy art gallery. This is in, in perpetuity, but you know when I call it back in. When I retire to the woods, then I'll leave it back.
1: Limited
0: engagement. Yeah, well, yeah. since since our listeners can't see what we're talking about, uh, you'll have to check us out on Twitter, first of all, because Blake will tweet this. Mm. Let's uh, not tell him. Let's make it a tease, man. Ooh,
2: that's... I like yeah. that. I like that. This is uh, legendary. I'll I'll give you a hint on, on this, just for, for our listeners. Bill Keppen, Chris Hamburger, Blake Siebers. I'll leave it at that. There you go. Oh, gosh. That is three stalwarts of Drake <laughs> soccer. That is...
0: Uh, that is very intriguing, uh, especially if you uh, you know your Iowa soccer. Um, I, you can follow us on Twitter at kick underscore forward, and that's where you can find out what we're we're talking about here. We're also on Facebook at kick it forward ia. Um, but just uh, thought we would bring Sean back in to talk about some all the ex- some of the exciting things that have been going on over the past four to six weeks here in Central Iowa and across the state. Um, Not only have we had uh, club tryouts, uh, we just wrapped up the high school soccer season, so we thought that's where we would start, um, considering we spent a a good portion of the spring chasing games around and kind of following, uh, especially the boys' side. Uh, Sean is the coach of the Roosevelt Rough Riders, who uh, unceremoniously... Uh, exited, eliminated. Eliminated, eliminated, Eliminated exited the turn. I was trying to think of a nice way to say yeah, it. Yeah, there's nothing good to say. <laughs> that. Uh, early in the substate,
2: would you? Say, was, yeah. Would it be the first round of substate? A hard road trip. A hard yeah. road trip. Are we going to discuss uh, your Edithon, or has that been reviewed already? It has been reviewed. It has okay, because I thought you would use part of the profits to invest in some air conditioning <laughs> here at the kick it forward studios you a little sweaty well i just sweltering is one word a little I'm nervous a little,
1: i think
0: I, is what uh, uh, we brought yeah, up the, the rough riders yeah. and he got nervous well uh so talk about the high school season a little bit um we can, uh <clears throat> on the boys side uh, walkie maybe we start there uh being the 3a is probably what you have the most experience with um talk about
2: the i don't know i assume you're out at county right I did. I did. Uh, So I have lots of opinions on lots of different things. I also went to a couple. We have a very good uh, girls team. Uh, Trevor Neary took over our girls program this year at Sporting Iowa and won the Metro crown uh, again and um, really made some progress. I lost late to to Waukee, who were also good on the girls' side. So I was at at the whole state tournament uh, all three days because... um, Roosevelt is the hosting institution, so our team is in charge of providing all the ball boys, which is super fun on that first day when you've got to provide tons of ball chasers for tons of games over the course of a... Uh, luckily, the weather was pretty good, so it wasn't so hot as it is most years. Um, I thought Waukee were were the best team. i got to be honest. I thought Iowa City West... Was that the final? Was that Iowa City West? Or was that yeah, the that was yeah, final. the final. Iowa City West, who are very good. Brad Stiles does such a good job over there. Um, and, and I think... Waukee were the best team for for multiple reasons. One, they were well coached. Two, they more than any other high school have perfect synchronicity between their club, their supporting club program and uh, and their high school program. It reminds me of uh, the Urbandale high school team of 15 and 20 years ago where essentially all those kids were playing for Prism or Freedom or whatever. Or team freedom. Of it. Yeah, freedom and then and then West Bohm, who was uh, the wrestling a wrestling guy, guy the wrestling. Originally. Guys, yeah. But but he understood obviously he was a great motivator. He got them organized and he knew enough not to get in their way and take you know take Gary Isles as players basically and then put them out and, and compete the high school level. I don't think anyone else has done that. And so the, the the you see a synchronicity between ISC, what John Cook does over in Iowa City and Iowa City West. And i think when you have that that energy and that cooperation between programs you're going to do well carlos has his guys i mean they play good soccer and here's the thing they have uh when we played them this year we hung on uh maybe our last regular season game we lost one nothing and they scored a good goal with just a couple minutes left and um to be fair i thought they were better we had some chances in the first half but never really threatened them in the second half but we're in a key moment and I'm looking down our bench and we don't have a lot of guys at this point because we were young prepared to really compete at the varsity level. And I look over and he's putting on five more guys who've won state championships, uh, a state cup at 2003, who play against my team uh, in club. And, and you look down the bench and you see another 12 guys who are doing it. And you watch them before the game and they've got their GPS uh, tra- you know MLS style trackers on and they've got uh, a high pod up and they're videoing the game Uh, because they don't want to rely on someone's crappy huddle feed, and they've got, you know, 800 different colored cones, and uh, with Roosevelt being a metro school, you know, we've got our guys rolling in, uh, you know, 22 minutes before kickoff, unfortunately, we don't know if everyone will be there, but I think Waukee wins because they do, their high school is is the most, uh, and I use this term, you know, sort of uh, candidly in an amateur uh, environment, they're the most professionally run, and so they win. And I don't see uh i don't see a scenario when they won't win i mean they're only let's be honest there are five or six schools at 3a that are able to compete annually do it because they have a player base and uh the state tournament although it was slightly modified because of weather this year they have uh you have to win three games in 30 in three days right i mean three games in three days is outrageous You, you watch i was watching the gold cup last night and i watched uh the, the Nations League a couple weeks ago and the Women's World Cup right now, and they're talking constantly about turnaround times. You know, these guys only had four days to recover. These guys had three instead, you know, they had two instead of three, and we're asking guys to go three and three. Um, so you have to have 25-plus have have guys to, to, real, to really do it.
0: Now, when you even talk about, I was just reading a thing the other day on the Women's World Cup where the USA has, um, they, like, they played almost two separate teams over the first two games because they're planning to play seven games in a month, which still seven games in a month, you know that's that's nothing compared to three I know, games in three know, days. Now, granted, it's a totally different level, but yeah. Uh, so, what did you think about that? Did that uh, improve level of play this year? Or did you think that you know from day one and
2: two, and then the yeah they had the two. Day break before the finals there on three Tuesday. day three day was from Saturday to Tuesday and I have a good authority that the, a lot of those boys might have played an MRL game for their club on the Sunday in between uh, which uh, I'm sure that was planned when they originally thought they were gonna conclude everything on the Sunday uh, I you know I am deeply conflicted about high school soccer and I might have said this before uh, nothing in certainly uh, I don't say America certainly in Iowa nothing replicates the excitement and the energy and the spirit of high school soccer.
1: Can I jump in there? So yeah. on that note, you talked about being there the first day with all your ball boys. Talk about, you know, we talked about it on site the first day of the high school boys uh, tournament this year with all those schools, all those games, all those fields going on. Just talk about, um, I mean, the atmosphere. What, in your opinion, <coughs> Well, is, it's it's it's, it's a festival,
2: right? It's a festival. So on that first day, you, you, you show up at, I think it's a noon kickoff for those first games on the Thursday this year, on the Friday, rather. And um you have these small towns from rural Iowa where you can see the significance of high school sports in a community. there I, I talked to because I'm an old guy, other old guys would come up, you know grandfathers and dads would come up and talk to me and wonder who I was, and we'd talk at the end of the field because I, I actually had to shag some of the balls as well and uh, the, these guys would be like I said oh are you uh, is your kid playing? No, your grandson playing?" No. Uh, I'm a I'm a pastor at our church and we got a bunch of kids here and it's just such a big thing for our town and um, you don't ever get that in club soccer um, and so I think uh, this got back again talking about the synchronicity that exists you know when, when you're watching Waukee High School play you're watching VSA you're watching Waukee or, you know it's sort of the, the same thing overlap In these communities, it means a lot, and so the parking lot is jam-packed, and there are buses, and people are buying kettle corn, and um, guys, kids are losing games and crying, you know. Like, but at least we made it to state, you know. That's the thing, and they're buying T-shirts. I think just the energy was tremendous, and I think the state association. I have a lot of interaction with uh, Chris Cuellar, who's the their their marketing. Publicity guy, I guess media yeah. communications, and they understand that they have learned to sort of monetize the energy, right? I mean, I think it was ten dollars to get in, and there were thousands of people there, and that in turn goes back into programming. Um, you know, when when we do state cup, uh, people, you know, we char- started charging a couple years ago for parking, and people thought it was an outrage, right? Homer screws who who. Um, from was in Cedar Rapids yep. for a long time, was at Coat College, and he was a key CRSA guy, and ran the indoor facility. He's a, he's a legend <clears throat> that we should track down. He's terrific. I think he's back out, back out west. And, and Homer said to me one time, I was coaching a Drake game, and he said, I'm going to come watch the game. I said, can I, put you on, can I put you on the pass list? You know, save you, I don't know, it was $5 or whatever it was. He goes, nope, I refuse to not pay. And I said, why is that? And he said, because we have an obligation to help soccer grow. He goes, not everyone, people are constantly looking for a handout, right? The reason the NBA makes money is because you pay $100 a ticket, and you pay for parking, and you pay for $8 hot dogs. But here, everyone, you know, like when I used to go to uh, Menace Games out at Valley Stadium, right, I would go, I would be on the pass list, and (laughs) there would be 100 people in the line in front of me, right? Right. Everyone was, and if if you reduced the four passouts for each kid at a college or the Menace and went down to two, there was an outrage, Right? You can only grow your sport when you start to kind of make... It becomes relevant when you make money, right? And then you make money, and then the media covers it because it's a real thing. You know, I, I, I saw more TV stations and radio... I mean, small-town radio stations were covering this game. This is what I think uh, USYSA, ISA never really kind of understands. Like, it makes it into an event, Right? Is the soccer, and this is the, the moral high ground, by the club guys always like, well, the soccer is shitty compared to what we play. Eh, yeah, perhaps it's not as technical and as clean sometimes. Uh, are too many games played on turf or narrow, you know, crappy high school fields like at Marshalltown or Hoover? You know, but, yeah, yeah, but the energy, the, the, the spirit the kids show fighting for, the, for their high school, right? whether you're a dragon or a tiger like you guys were, it means something. Well, means
0: something. So then you flip the script and you put on your Sporting Iowa jersey or your Menace jersey or I guess not Menace jersey anymore, um, your FC United jersey, is that right? Um, or your Jayhawk jersey or whatever club you're playing for, right? Um, you put that on and do, do you fight the same way for that badge or whatever? Then you do, like, do the Iowa Rush guys play as hard for Iowa Rush as they do for Ankeny Centennial or the Ankeny Hawks? I don't know, I've, I haven't watched enough Iowa Rush games, but man, when you watch those two high school teams play, they fly around for their, club, for their team.
2: Well, I'll give you an example. So, so when I was in college my sophomore year, we, we played in the national championship and somehow we hosted. And uh, uh, at the time I was single, I was 19 years old, I invited the five prettiest girls that I knew to the game. Right? And I, I believe that all five showed up, and weirdly enough, I can tell you where they sat and, and at what time they came in you know, at the game, which tells you how focused I was. Uh, but but you know, we, we had always played in front of a hundred family and friends, right? You get a couple of buddies from your class and maybe your folks come in town and watch the game. That day, we had a massive crowd. It changed everything. Guys were playing out of their minds, right? Because people cheered and oohed and ah and booed. And so, I have a memory of college soccer
0: of a game like that too, where I mean it's just like we played Rhode Island, so it was like yeah. big, you know the big in-state rivalry. Next thing, I mean there were, God, there were fifteen hundred people there. It, was incredible. it makes
2: a difference, right? Yeah. This is a big key concern for the women's World Cup right now. Who wants to play in a half-empty stadium? There's a difference, right? You you watch the games last night. I watched the Gold Cup games. There's a difference when you watch Guyana play uh, Cuba, Martinique, I think was the game yesterday, <laughs> and then you watch Canada Mexico. Man, it was. I think it was in Denver, at Broncos Stadium, that place was jam-packed. The atmosphere between 70,000 and 20,000 is significantly different. And so finding a way, here's my deal in State Cup, make a showcase game. Like they used to do at Sun Bowl in Tampa. You would play a whole bunch of games. There'd be 100 games going on on a Saturday. But on Saturday night, they played, Chris Hamburger was the captain of our team, Brian Plotkin is now at Notre Dame, and we played a showcase game in front of 7,000 people against uh, Universidad Catolica from uh, Santiago, Chile. Do you think there's a difference between playing in front of 7,000 people or 100 people? Oh, absolutely. So but what if we did a Friday, Saturday night, you know, Friday, Saturday, Sunday night showcase games at the at county under the lights on Field Nine? Yeah. How great with that. The State be? Cup final, that's where it's played. Yeah, so yeah. You got the chance to yeah. play. Not somewhere like in Cedar Falls or Muscatine or you, nothing against those towns, but let, let's not do it in the middle of nowhere. In Put it in a stadium, stadium field or an arena Put field. Put it in somewhere. a stadium, make it a deal. Um, even though you see that the girls, the IHS used to do a good job where they have the girls' games on TV. Yeah, yeah. right? Yep. With, so the uh, complete with commentaries, some of it good, some of it not good. Uh, <laughs> and, and then the boys the boys turn them around on TV right these are the kind of things and in, in an age of ESPN uh, three is it ESPN three yeah. and when everything is live streamed right yeah. I have ESPN plus and I can watch seventeen USL games almost every night of the week right and some of them are you know it's a guy holding a camera somewhere we, we should be live streaming these games yeah. what's well, interesting fun. the feedback we have gotten.
1: Covering the high school games from some schools that make it a little more difficult than others to post clips, post video, promote it, um, where some are some are difficult. And when you say, "Hey, who else is covering this game?" or "What other coverage or attention do your players, do your coaches get?" and the answer is none, we're trying to help grow it and not getting uh, not getting the best cooperation. Well, not to
0: go back too far, but just when you were you're mentioning the fact that they're showing the the girls' tournament on you know, Iowa Public Television, um, and we're going to touch on the Des Moines Wanderers here a little bit later, but we were on a little road trip last weekend, and Trevor Jones from the Waukee boys team was watching the girls play on his phone while we rode. Like, how cool is that, that you can follow your team when you're not you're not there? And so, like, those are the kind of things, like, uh, I mean, how many people would sit at home and probably watch the boys' state tournament, or the girls' state tournament, for that matter, if it's just on TV
1: and you can flip through the channels? Like you said, um, shut up and... The State Cup was in, I don't know, Eastern Iowa, Waterloo, Cedar Falls, somewhere yeah. in like I mean, if that game was streaming, I bet you... I would have um, watched. I yeah, fun. you would have had, to at least watched bit, bits and
2: pieces of it, I think. Uh, these are modern times, and, and with technology, people have expectations. <laughs> there's almost, there's no excuse, and there there are fewer, much fewer financial barriers to doing this kind of stuff, right? When, when we hosted uh, Drake played we played a Fox game of the week on Friday night this was back in 2009 at Evansville and it cost $10,000 we raised three um, uh, Evansville raised three the conference donated three and uh, we found the other one to do that now you get a couple of decent HD cameras and you live stream and it's there so there's no excuse not to kind of grow your sport and I might have said this last time but a guy named Tommy Goodman, who I did a C license with, with uh, the famous Maco from The Menace and, and Magic. We were doing a C license in um, in Louisville, Kentucky, back when my son was born, so 1997, I think it was. And uh, uh, he said, I'm the DOC for, he was moving from East PA to West PA, so basically from Philly to Pittsburgh, um, which is a great Nick Kroll skit, by the way. Uh, I just asked Walt, our friend Walt Lehman about that. But uh, he said, he goes, my job is to be the chief salesman for soccer. That's, a, that's how he defined the role of the state as the state DOC. He didn't say primarily, you know, it's about education or it's about building relationships. It was like, I'm here to grow and sell the sport, right? That's what every day when Don Garber gets to the offices of New York and MLS, and like, how do we make this bigger? How do we go from a one share to a two share? How do we get ESPN to come back? And rather than pay them as they did in the early, early days, have ESPN pay for the rights to our games. This is how we got to, got to grow the game. That, that needs to be at the forefront of everyone's mind every single day. Not, we got too many guys who are rule followers. Well, this is what we have always done, and this is what it should be, and we got to dot I's and cross T's. Yeah, that's what we have lawyers for. I got it. That has to be done. But how can you sell this thing? How can you grow it? How can you make it bigger? That's what really matters. I would not Love disagree it. with you. Yeah. yeah, and so, but I think high school understands that a little bit, right? Yeah, I think high school understands it a little bit because they they need that revenue. If you're a high school basketball program, you want people to come to your gym and buy popcorn and and do stuff. right well, and not? Uh, um, well,
0: I think maybe part of the difference there is in high schools. Uh, no matter what the sport is, it's largely free of cost to your student athletes. Um, you know, there's your activities fee and some of that kind of stuff, but. Um, I mean, the reality is, is you're, you know, if you're playing high school soccer, if I put on my, my orange jersey for the Tigers, I'm not paying for that. But I go to club and I'm paying 250 bucks to wear my uh, whatever jersey. Yeah. So
2: um, maybe that's part think, of it as well. I just think, you know, we, we could spend hours on the sort of the club high school deal because, you know, as highlighted by how well Iowa City West and Waukee do it, I think um, getting people into the room... Getting people who represent both sides into the room together is the key on this, right? I don't know if that's, that's ISA. It's the, I don't think it's the high school association's responsibility because they have to, they, they govern a lot of stuff, right? The moment soccer is on, they're on to the softball and baseball, and then they got chess, and then they got debate, and then they have choir, and then they, they have so many activities to monitor. But the people who run soccer, I, I used to say this, uh, what my good friend Brian Becker, who works for Des Moines Parks and Rec and effectively runs. Uh, the county soccer complex has been the heart and soul of so much soccer in the community. I said, there's a guy that has constantly come and helped build soccer. He'd never even seen a soccer ball until he was 22 years old, right? He grew up in rural northeastern Iowa somewhere and was a basketball guy. And if you're American, that means you also probably like baseball and football and maybe play a little golf in the summer. And here we have a guy who's not really even a soccer guy, constantly championing soccer, right? But the soccer people, what are we doing? We're usually busy busy bickering or, you know, involved in kind of bullshit, uh, uh, you know, what we used to call FU fights. Yeah. You know what I mean? Just guys bickering about territory and, and you know, having small battles and not really taking the bigger picture into consideration.
0: Well, we've had, um, this is actually an excellent segue. Um, we did our tryout series and chatted with, five of the sort of heads of clubs around at least central Iowa. Um, and it sounds like, I don't know, largely with most, I don't know, probably four of the five guys said something along the lines of like, yeah, we'd, we'd be interested in looking at the calendar and how does it, how does high school match up with club and, you know, how do we, how do we really look at that? So um, we are, uh, we've, we've talked about trying to find a way to do some sort of round table um, and just get some people in the same room and, um, and talk <clears throat> we'll
2: talk about it. You know, Dan Cataldi, who's the Executive Director of the State Association now, he succeeded another guy, um, uh, and and I met with that guy 20 years ago when I first came to town. He said, what do we need to do? How do we grow soccer? I said, first thing we do is we get our our schedules in synchronicity, right? We synchronize them so that we're with the rest of the region, so our kids can play a good tournament, so they can do what everyone else does. And it was, I, I know for a fact it was never attempted, now whether it was discussed, whether anything happened. But... Uh, i, I don 't know that the high school Association is ever going to change either of the high school associations, so it is what it is let 's find a way to make it work. The fact that, that VSA and Waukee were finding a way to play on the game on the Sunday you know uh, and, and exposing their kids to more a more challenging environment is good for everybody yeah but 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 it 's not enough if some people are doing it we 've got to get more people on the same page doing it Agreed. So, but, but, and, and other thoughts on high school soccer. Um, I am concerned that uh, there are a lot of high school coaches in general who sort of um, unabashedly don't pursue coaching education, right? So you want to be respected. You want to be a guy in the room. Uh, I just had a Roosevelt. We had an all-coaches meeting uh, two weeks ago. So I was there with the golf coach, with the cheerleading coach, football, basketball, everyone's in the room. And uh, amazingly, most of the other sports do not have formal educational uh, processes like we do so we have it and people are not accessing it right i have guys when i did my uh, high school uh, coaching certificate three years ago when i transitioned from college to high school i was in a room and there were guys representing 40 different sports men and women representing all these sports and there were guys like hey so have you you've done this right you had to pay for this and you had to take this 60-hour class over the course of two long weekends uh, have you done your have you done a d license or a us soccer license or an SCA, what's it called usc now diploma like no i don't need that stuff right the head co- our head coach really doesn't believe in that stuff and so when you believe in stuff it, you're you're only sort of one step removed for me from like fake news like that that really would not be worth my time I, and this is i see this now with a lot of young coaches when when i first went to region 2 ODP staff i was 20 five or 26 years old in 1990 it was in ames iowa during what i think it was one of the flood years and i got to be in a room with 15 guys with enormous experience tony colovecchia who uh was at eventually university of louisville steve adlard who passed away last year from marquette tim carter uh who's now director of minnesota united but was at illinois state at the time louis Matus, who was a u.s soccer. i mean like an incredible amount of knowledge and there was not a minute of me at my 25-year-old self where I thought, man, I know more than these guys. Just, I went to every meeting, like, can I soak this up? And so when I see young guys now who who think they know it all or refuse to per, to pursue, you know, uh, formal education, I find it completely unacceptable. Like, would you go... My, my son uh, this morning is on the way to a dentist appointment, right? That dentist <laughs> went through... Eight, eleven, twelve 11, 12 years of formal education and training, right? To work on his teeth. And my sons, uh, when they, they go into a classroom at DMPS, they have people who are not only formally trained, but continue to pursue uh, uh, education, right? They have this professional development opportunities, they do things in the summer, they go to seminars. And we have, uh, I know yesterday, uh, I was listening to one of the other podcasts and the, the DOC was talking about, you know, we have a certain standard for all our, for all our coaches. We want them to, to have played at a certain standard, uh, which is always open to interpretation, as we know. Yeah. And we have other guys, we want every coach to have a certain kind of license, right? I, I so, so you're gonna charge me 1500 bucks or you want my kid to play high school soccer and they, I go to the opening meeting, the high school meeting and go, do you have a, a, a formal coaching license? And the coach who might have been doing it 20 years ago, no, I haven't really had time. Really, is that a fact? In 20 years of doing something, you really never had time to go get some some formal training. And I think that, it's a problem in club soccer, but it's an even bigger problem in high school soccer.
1: And on that note, I mean, to share your disappointment there, I think, you know, we, Kick It Forward, we or attempted to sponsor up to 30 coaches for the high school soccer coaches <clears throat> symposium up there in Co. And went up there and did some stuff. And even for us, a little bit that we were able to watch I mean you still pick up on things, right We're sitting up in the rafters watching listening and um, you know watching on the session and even being there for 5, 10, 15 minutes paying attention, I picked up on just a couple things or different ways things are done. And, you know unfortunately we you know we offered up to 30 coaches I think we had two. Um, take us up on that yeah and so i hope we, i hope you do it again that's next year goal, that's we try to. And grow
2: but but that's you know in a state where you have 150 or 200 schools sponsoring the sport and almost every school has uh sponsors both genders boys and girls and you might have up to four or five people on your staff that that, that coaching symposium doesn't have 1200 people at it right I, it is is disappointing and i think if you're a the only way you ever have something listen the athletic director doesn't really know if you win or not but if the parents found out you know if I found out that at my school that my son's teachers continually uh, phoned in absent you know for for continued education opportunities I'd be pretty pissed off you had the chance to go somewhere for a day have it paid for get a free lunch and learn how to be a better teacher and chose not to take it and we have coaches here um, I, I, I'm you know I have friends who coach in other states And once in a while, you know, you go on, you Google their club and I wonder what their club is up to, trying to find ideas for, you know, the college advisor that I work with in my club. And I see that some clubs have have, uh, six, seven, eight, nine A license coaches a lot of coaches right. so that when you, when, you, when you take my money when I write you a check or I go on sports engine or however I register and you're got to pay on blue sombrero or whatever it is and, and you, you have you want my money but you don't want it you know if Matthew said today when he came back from the dentist hey I didn't see a dentist today you know they cleaned my teeth but then when the dentist was supposed to come, you know, they give the little three minutes they come in and do a little check on it whatever stuff, and they go they just had a guy who liked and was interested in teeth <laughs> you know, I'd poop my pants, I go really because our insurance just got billed. I just did a copay I was expecting to see a dentist I would like to meet that guy that has yeah. such interest in teeth that he's just volunteering his time <laughs> yeah, they're, they're, those guys exist, but do you know what I mean because the answer ultimately for a lot of uh for a lot of high school and a lot of club coaches. It's like, well, I really like soccer. I really like soccer. That's terrific. I'm glad that you're passionate about it. Now, now, let, why don't we tack on some formal education onto that? I, I don't think, for example, any guy in the state would not be wasting his time to go spend 10 hours on a Saturday with Ross Moffat, right? And have yeah, him give definitely. you his ideas. You, you know, you were talking about the, the symposium in Cedar Rapids. Uh, the, I love watching those guys. There were a lot of younger coaches. Or Ryan Kwame came down from, I thought that guy was good from Wisconsin. He's like, you know what? I, I've never seen it done that way. Or that's an interesting twist. Or what the, the way, the nomenclature he Well, what a great way to present an idea to a kid. Or and even if, the stuff that you've heard before reiterates it. You know, gosh, if I'm almost I 55 the- and I have an A license and I coach for a long time at a pretty good level and I can learn something, then I think almost every other guy in the state, man or woman, could spend some of their time to do it, right? Or here's the other: is that don't accept my money, right? Don't don't demand fourteen hundred dollars, yeah, or twelve hundred, whatever well, it like, costs to play. You cold, cold, yeah.
0: Well, and you do yeah. see that with some of these smaller, sort of like town type clubs where they they charge less, uh, and there's certainly not as formal of a coaching standard as there are yeah. some of these other places where they charge. So,
2: yeah. um, so if I register my kid to play. And, uh, everyone pays the same fee. Let's, I always use a thousand. I know it's more than a thousand, but let's say it's a thousand dollars. And on one year, my kid gets an A license coach, right? Hey, you're, you're going to get Corbin Stone, or you're going to get Ross Moffitt, or you're going to get Gary
0: Isles, Gary Isles, Isles, Isles. You
2: an A license coach with some experience. Okay, I got it. I can write the check for a thousand dollars. And then you go, well, we got a guy, and he, and played, he played, a little, guy. <laughs> played a little bit of college, played a little bit of college, uh, has a D license, and doesn't have a lot of experience. Dude, listen, everyone has to start somewhere. I get that. Do I have to pay the same? Def- yeah, that's a, a really good point. Def- I, my wife is a physician, and I know that there's a difference between a physician and a nurse practitioner right, or, or, or a PA, physician's assistant. There are, and you're billed differently too, right? That's how it is. You see the person with 11 years experience as opposed to seven years exposed to five. There's a difference. And I think that, because I know some of the clubs pay differently. Their pay structure, you reward them. I'm going to do Region 2 ODP in Saginaw, Michigan, same place where regionals are taking place, I think starting today or tomorrow. And I'm going, and we get sent a pay scale and A license gets paid more than a B license, gets paid more than a C license.
1: In fact, so if you only reasonable. have a C license,
2: I don't think they, you even get on staff. Uh, they try and keep it. It used to be, you had to be an A license, now as the program's diluted, I think they've got a few B license guys sneaking in. But listen, I get it. And you know what? Uh, it took me time. You don't just uh, pop out of college and all of a sudden have an A license. I had to go and do them in succession, the C, the B, and the A. And uh, it costs some money. But college costs money too. And you're always sold well it's an investment in your future. I knew I wanted to coach, and the first thing I did, I remember being at my first conference coaches meeting when I coached at Baker in the fall of 1989, and I'd heard about this licensing system, an ODP. I asked a question, to a guy, Johnson Koski, who's now in Colorado, one of my original mentors, great guy, hey, what's this licensing about? What is this? He said, well, you go, he goes, it's not so hard, it's like 10 days and you go somewhere and you take a course and they have these national coaches who instruct you. He goes, it's really worth it. He goes, but only if you're serious. That's exactly what John Zankowski. I love that guy. John Zankowski, he has a weird little St. Louis accent, and he goes, if you're serious, do this. Boom, I went on the next day and I rode, across, rode away to Soccer House in Chicago. I think I called the 312 number. Mm-hmm. I got them to send me stuff, so I was on my first coaching license the summer of 90. And then the second one was ODP. is like, here's your chance to give back to the game, yep. right? And the rest of the guys in the room, there were maybe seven of us in this room from the conference, and the rest of the guys, I said, well, have any of you guys done coaching licenses? And one guy, who I still run into occasionally at the convention, he used to coach in jeans, right? In college soccer, coaching jeans, which tells you probably all you need to know. He's like, yeah, I haven't really done I'm not really interested in those, right? Or the rest of the guys we're gone, you know, like many people, cycled out in a couple of years. It's like, uh, uh, John Sankoski, who I love still to this day, he, he shows up in his wife's uh, Facebook post, like, maybe once a year. There's like, It's like a Loch Ness monster picture of John Sinkoski. He goes, but only if you're serious, right? Well, this was my first year of coaching, so he still was undecided. Like, yeah, I know this guy had a little bit of energy, and he seems sort of keen and maybe mildly knowledgeable, but only if you're serious. Yeah. Well, I think that's uh,
0: the coaching piece. You know, there's the having technical and tactical knowledge all day long. And then there's, you know, um, sort of the health, nutrition, or the physical side that some, some coaches kind of key on. But then I think there's sort of like the motivation side and just like overall coaching. So you could go coach, you're a good coach, you could go coach basketball and take some of the principles and you know, maybe the technical stuff wouldn't translate, but the way you talk to your players and the way that you um, approach
2: a session would probably be similar. Yeah, it's not so much content driven, You know, I know when I went and did my first C-license in in Blaine, Minnesota, I knew how to kick a ball, and I knew how to receive a ball, and I knew I should pass to someone on my team. But it was a way of organizing your thinking. Right. I had Buzz Lagos, whose son now is uh, president of Minnesota United. He was sort of one of the stalwarts. Bob Gansler was there. Lenny Reutman, who'd just come from coaching the Olympic team, head coach at Brooklyn College, a bit of a character. You, Jim Launder came and did a session for us, who went on later to win a national championship in Wisconsin. I mean, that I got to be exposed to those guys for a three-and-a-half-hour drive to Blaine, and I think it cost $900 the first year room and board. To me, that was invaluable right and, and I will tell you this over the course of the last couple of days when we used to do our coaching sessions some of them were uh, horrible right but that that happens in any distribution right any bell curve there's gonna be you watch a session Keith Buckley who has been a good friend of mine he's been the head coach at Rollins College in Florida good D2 school for like 30 years Seen him do a session you know was a guy my age I was like wow that, that was impressive right there was another guy he was a Latino guy from Boston, and he was doing ball receiving, and he he spent a lot of time working on stomach traps, right? Which I really don't work on as much, <laughs> much these days. And I, we were like, we were, you know, he was kind of running this bias before he was going to do a session for Bob Gansler, no less, right? And uh, and I was like, mm, you know, dude, I don't know if focusing on stomach traps is really what you need <laughs> to be doing, but but I just remember being in that room, and this was nineteen, uh, this, is, this is my C license, so about ninety or ninety one. 90, had to be 91. Bob Gansler was one year removed from coaching the World Cup team in Italy, right? And I'm sitting in the back of the room. I was actually two seats away from him, and they're, they're, they're making an announcements. So they go, Keith Buckley, passing and receiving. Yeah. Sean Holmes, goalkeeping. And in my head, I was like, oh my Lord. And Bob Gansler was two from me. He turned over and he goes, now we'll see how smart you are. I was like, son of a gun. I just called him. You know, it's the guy who I just saw on TV. Now this guy's calling me up, yeah. invaluable. Right? I see that uh, my good friend Corbin Stone is an A license coach. You know, I'll be in a, a coach's meeting with him and he'll start to speak. And he's a couple years younger than me, though I, he probably looks older. And he'll, say, <laughs> he'll start to speak. I go, You know what? Uh, and Corbin's a pretty focused, animated dude. I, I can't wait to hear what he's got to say. Right, I, I want to hear his perspective because I know he has ideas. And then other guys around the room start to talk. I go, I, I love it. I love it because now here's a guy who's 22 years old who has different. Man, I could be that guy's dad plus, right? As I'm old enough to be your dad and your dad, I'm old enough to be his dad plus. And I'm like, I can't wait to. And then I go to other meetings and I'll see people speak and there'll be other guys that like are tuned out or like, oh, this guy's just yeah. But that's part of the process, right? That's part of the process. When I went to graduate school, we had to we had to talk for two hours on stuff we didn't even know we were talking about. Always but learn. you listen and you learn. Always And I learn. think it's that. So we always demand our players be coachable. Like, coachability is, like, the number one thing I look for. But then in turn, I must be coachable, and, and my peers, other guys, have to be coachable. So when a guy says, I don't really need a coaching license, it's not really worth my time, no way. Matt Ream is going to go do his B license, uh, coaches with me at Roosevelt and Sporting Iowa. He's going down to do his B license starting in August. Like, I'm, I'm envious, right? It's going to be hard as hell. It's going to be hot. It's going to be a boatload of work. Probably a bunch of technological stuff that I would be incapable of. <laughs> yeah. But he is going to grow from this, right? He has to go three times. I think he goes August, October, or December or something. Five days each at the, the National Training Center in Kansas City. I mean, what an opportunity for growth. Yeah. Right? So when someone says, I don't want that, I always call bullshit. That's right. fair. J- just tell me, like a player, go, hey, here's an idea, Blake. What if you opened your body when you received the ball? And you go, eh, you know, or you give me bad body language. I'm like, you don't want to be a player, right? As John Sankoski said, but only if you're serious. So we've, we've talked about high school soccer, and I think, um,
0: you know, how do we maybe get everybody in the room and sort of figure out how club and high school soccer exist and the, the merits of high school soccer, which then took us down a little pathway of – Coach education and how important that is. Um, let's talk about tryouts a little bit, just as a whole. Um, you know, player development is a hot topic. Um, tryouts <clears> then, as a result, become a hot topic because um, we're trying to figure out
2: sort of how does that all. Uh, I'm you know. not a fan of tryouts. So Seriously, I know yes. Gary Gary from Ames. Yeah. Gary, that sounds like a call. In. Gary from Ames, <laughs> a longtime <laughs> listener, first time caller. Gary Framain's talked about he was not a fan of them. I, I'm not a fan of them. Number one, I think they, uh, they're they sort of a waste of time, right? What we do is sacrifice two weeks where we could just be training all the players for another couple of weeks in good weather, and we do these tryouts, right? I think my son had to do two. I had to do two. So there's we've taken a week or two, and we do three hours of soccer, right? You do an extended uh, pretend warm-up, and then you play. You scrimmage. Did anyone really get better from that in terms of development? No. Number two... Uh, I don't know that they're a completely efficient use of staffing, right? You, you go out and, geez, you've got like 10 guys there. And then um, I, I did a, an ODP trial once uh, in Kansas when I was director down there. It was just like 1990. And we were there for two hours, and the guy came and handed me a sheet, and he had three players evaluated, right? There were 60 kids there. I think. <laughs> and uh, the, he had three players. Who was, uh, he goes, he was from uh, Great Britain, mate, and he said, I don't really rate anyone else. <laughs> I said, well, <laughs> dude, we've got to come up with 18 guys. We're, we're going names for ODP here in a couple of months. got to come up with 18 guys. So I don't particularly like triads for that reason. It's also very difficult to evaluate players in a one-and-a-half or two-hour segment. Well, here's the other thing. Listen, 95% of them are your own players. True. Right? Everyone, the we imagine, we're going to have everyone come from your club, right? People always get mad when, they, when players are stolen from their club. Yeah and then celebrate the fact that they steal players from other clubs, That's right? Like, can you believe that guy went to that club? Man, we just got two of the best guys to come, right? In, in almost the same breath. Yeah. So I'm not a fan. They're, they're good moneymakers, right? You have 600 kids. Try out at 30 bucks a pop. There's $18,000. That's a nice little earner for you. You know, uh, you get a couple of give out some free Cheez-Its and uh, Gatorades in the, uh, in the concession stand to your staff to keep them happy. So it, it's a good moneymaker. So I don't like for that reason. I'm guessing... I'm guessing in what business model, in what business model do you give away your whole customer base, your whole client base once a year, right? So you, let's just say you have 500 kids. Chris McGill is talking about how many kids they have in their select program. For, for one day or for a couple days, you give away every single kid, right? It's not even like a recurring membership. Like when I sign up for Sirius, I will be dead and 10 years later I will still be getting billed for Sirius Satellite in my car probably. You, you, it, it's recurring till you opt out. In this one, they lose all 500 kids. Right, they have to fight like, for like, again. Yeah, literally, they have to throw them out. I'm guessing this was thought up by an aggrieved parent who may or may not have been a lawyer, right? Where they go, we need to have transparency. We would have transparency. Every kid should have the opportunity to try for every club. You know, if my kid's are stuck on a, on a bad club, he should have the right to try out for a good club, Right? And so we give everyone a number. We don't even refer them by name. So I walk up to a kid that I've known for five years, or he might be my son's best friend, and go, uh, number 328, uh, what position do you play? Oh, well, actually it's Blake Sievers, but I'm gonna call you 328. You know, it, it's, it's a lot of pretending, right? We know for the most part who the kids are. Evaluation is part of, of teaching. We are evaluating all the time. Here's where the problem comes, and this is where you do the sorting. Gary talked about the sorting, and you know, put him in the A's and the B teams. If you you were really a club member, and uh, a kid was doing very well, as as I had my my two thousand and three team last year, you know what? I think you would benefit from not you will help me win state cup. You would benefit from being in the A training environment. So next week you start training with us, right? You may have to move a facility or change a time slightly, which always was logistically challenging for families. On the other side, on the flip side, you have a kid who's been struggling for a month. You know, for physical reasons, for emotional reasons, for technical reasons in many cases. Listen, I think it would benefit that kid to go down and train with the B team. He would benefit, he would prosper from being in a different training environment, we'd have a little more success, right? We wanna challenge kids, but getting their ass kicked every day doesn't help anybody. So maybe they do, well, the demotion, right? Can you imagine Coach Holmes calling me today and said, my kid's not good enough anymore. No, no, if I went to school, and my teacher said, uh, my son, you are, your son is a great reader. He's reading, everyone always talks about this at cocktail parties, above grade level. You hear that one all the time. Ben, you don't have kids yet. Blake, it's coming. right? But your kid reads above grade level. Then give us better books. Give us more challenging books. He doesn't need to read Magic Treehouse anymore. He's ready for Harry Potter, which I've never read any of. But I've, I think I've seen one movie. Uh, give him something to try. On the other hand, hey, we're all reading Harry Potter right now. And your, your kid's struggling, you know? I, I wouldn't say, uh, this is not a reflection of me as a bad person. What can I do to help my son be more successful? Should he be in a different reading group? Should he be in a group that's going at a slower pace, that has more support and instruction, that has kids like him so he won't feel, you know, like he's, 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 not, he's not competent? Yeah, yeah. but we don't do that, right? Four reasons, because we're obsessed with State Cup. Like, how, how can we, well, like, think of this fall. We're barely playing a JUSC tournament and two ISL games before we get got to play the seven weeks of State Cup, or at least it feels like seven weeks, right? So we're not even really about development. We're trying to, 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 to make winners. So I, as, as I answer this question every day in, in, in my role in college advisory, how can we make this kid as good as he can be matched to his commitment level it's not the same for everybody, and much to you know, perhaps his genes, his physicality, you know, the other parts of it. How can we make this kid as good as he can be at eighteen? That's what every teacher wants, and te and coaches are teachers, All right? That's what my passport says. It says teacher. I didn't put soccer coach on it. I think we had a losing season on year, so. You're feeling more, more of a teacher. Yeah, yeah. No, so so try no. it. I just it's... don't think what what does it accomplish? And then and then the bid day comes on. I think it's June 27th and. Some people will be disappointed, and no, we just we're trying to put you in the correct the correct training environment for each kid and I think the coaches I see the, the meetings you know the DOCs always speak to the parents and I think they try to message that, but it, it's not it's not good enough to tell them once a year for half an hour right The message has to be the messaging has to be constant, continual, and consistent so can we just I mean the big recruitment I mean, can you just get rid of tryouts and just um, I don't know why they exist. They didn't have them when I was a kid. You just, you're on the team, and then the next year, you're on the team again. So there and, and there were life. two kids went away because, you know what, uh, Ed Krupe was really a hockey player, right? I played soccer. My dad, my dad's from the old country. Well, for our team, we all had immigrant kids. Their dad's from the old country, and they played soccer because their dad liked soccer. And then eventually they had that conversation. They go, you know, Dad, I don't like soccer so much. I want to play football, I want to play baseball, I want to play hockey, in our case in Canada. And then they went away. And two new guys showed up, right? And if two guys didn't show up, then we had 16 instead of 18. But there wasn't a financial model that got wrecked by it, right? Can right. you imagine if you have 50 teams and every team loses three guys? Right. At the magic thousand that I use, there's $150,000. Yeah. That's, that's a huge budgetary but my argument is, If you're doing it right you're not going to have a problem. No one has ever answered. I add this. We had an ISA symposium when we used to kind of have relevant symposia. Is that the plural symposia? At at the Papa John Center downtown. This would be when it first opened, so maybe 10 years ago. And I asked that question. Gary Isles was in the meeting. I said, why do we even actually have tryouts? And it's one of those things like no one could answer that question.
0: Well, So just to play devil's advocate, let's say I, I mean, this is where like, you mentioned the recruiting thing, right? So like, we, our teams play against each other, and uh, you see one of my players is quite good. You guys kind of beat us pretty handily. How, is it, how do you handle picking up Blake Severs from my team and bringing him to your team? You know, is it, and then when do you do it? Do you just like, say, hey, Blake, why don't you come train with us a little bit? And then I'm kind of going, well,
2: what the heck? Well, or is there like an open – like a, Because you know? of State Cup. My magic answer to almost everything is State Cup. Right? Sure. That's the solution to everything. Because when I played, we had, a, we had a cup, but we also had a league. It was kind of like they do in, in Europe, right? There was a league. And we had a league table, yeah. which was published on a bulletin board at the office, That's which awesome. was somewhere in the west of our city. I, don't know, I went there once because a friend got a red card. You know, we had to go appeal it. I said, but here, it all comes down. When you, when you want a player from another team, what you're saying is he will enhance our chances to win the State Cup. Because the league doesn't... Are there ISL standings? I don't no. know. Does anyone really even care? Do you submit the scores? I, mean, I think you're supposed to vote for what reason. Yeah, I have no idea if it's, if it's a there's thing. There's no benefit right? to
0: winning the league. Yeah, I think the there
2: is like an MRL, and NPL, and there's a lot of L's now with, with the e- ECNL and all those things. Yeah, maybe. Um, but it all comes down to State Cup. And so we are so results-driven with State Cup. And State Cup is uh, two things. There's there's a weather factor, Right. The State Cup, whereas in high school I talked about the the effect of hot weather that you got to win three games, and this year was not so typical. But it can be ninety eight degrees, and you got to try and win three games in three days, which is someone should right. Like, someone should sue people for even doing that. Then you go to state cup, and it's the reverse, right? Except that the younger ages, but the older ages, high school ages, you're playing in late October, maybe into early November. But you're still playing three games and, th- way, two way, games too and two games, way too which many games. Way too many. games. I mean, I just interrupted Correct. you. But, but but these are things. That, these are soccer people. Making these decisions, that's the problem, right? Like, we, we, we have control over We can decide how we do it, and we still find a way not to do it right. But state cup drives everything. And, and here's the thing. 95% of state cup results, and this diminishes as you get older, is, is decided by what I call temporary physical advantage, right? If you have the bigger, stronger, faster kids, you win, right? You see this in ODP. The guys who make the U13 team are not the guys who make it at U18. And uh, when I was, uh, I think I told this story last time, but you, my, my, my college teams were littered, I use the word littered with guys who like had got cut from ODP. You know, the famous Michael Jordan, you know, getting cut from his high school team. Well, you know what, I was, at that point, I was a little bit slower, I was a bit smaller. Uh, I saw the tryouts last week, right? They're really good soccer players who physically can't compete. If someone said, you know what, he is, he is uh, chronologically he's a 15 year old, but physically he's 12 or 13. So let's have him play with the 12 or 13-year-olds, right? But people are like, well, that gives you an unfair advantage. To which you go, unfair advantage for what? To win the state cup, right? Can you imagine? You can bring guys up. Lance Roseboom played up, right? Ian Christensen played up. Uh, Andrew Holmes played up two years ago. There are lots of guys who've played up. If you ever said play down, right, to, to, to help that kid. Right? They were like, whoa, 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 whoa. You know, we had a boy last year, uh, Moise, who's a Congolese refugee from Urbandale High School, one of my favorite guys. And uh, he's going to Graceland next year to play in the, uh, the Mighty Heart of America Conference. And he was out of age. He aged out, right? He's 19 and a half years old. He said, we, we appealed to the state. Could, could we have him play? I mean, he loses the opportunity to play. So that's, he, he's not a youth anymore. It's not our deal, right? And I understand they have rules. The same things happen in high school we had a couple of Sudanese refugees at uh, at Roosevelt who aged out right and uh, my my thing with this when the, when you, whenever you see a January 1st birthday on a high school kid you know like we have no records you give you January 1st and i had one guy put this really succinctly for me he goes you know when they were burning our village and we were fleeing for our lives we didn't really think about the paperwork this is what a guy told me i go i love that right it's like God, i got it i yeah. got it but but can you imagine? People would go crazy. There were kids that tried it the other day, like clearly are at a physical disadvantage. And, and so when I played uh, briefly youth football for two days when I was 13 years old, if you were too big for your age, they pushed you up, right? We don't want 150-pound kids crushing 100-pound kids, right? Because football is about, it's a collision sport. So we're going to move them up and put them where they're more physically... So you see the kids who win at the State Cup at U13-14, the star kids, without naming them, but you know who they are. Those guys aren't the stars at 18. They're not the stars at 22. Right? But uh, there are a couple of guys that my son Matthew's growing up with and now Sam's growing up with, and you can tell that is the guy at 13. If you have that guy, you win. He's the difference maker because ultimately of physicality, size or speed. right But once we get to 18-19, it evens out a lot. Right, throw them in college, and everyone gets in a weight room and has the same access to get stronger, same access to calories. It, it evens out, evens out. I don't watch a lot of, you don't watch an MLS game, and they go, that guy is so fast that no one can deal with him Like there are fast guys, like Mbappé, but there's there's no one where you go, well, every team has that guy, right? You go watch an MLS game, watch a Gold Cup game, everyone's pretty fast, everyone's pretty strong, but you watch a youth game. If you've got that guy, you win. Yeah. What does that mean? <clears throat> I don't know. You get to put it on Instagram or Facebook and, you know, say, I've won a couple of state cups too. I lost I lost three in a row to Demarcus Beasley once too. I'm still bitter about that. Jamar Beasley, sorry, his older brother, Jamar, in Indiana. I think the thing that's interesting is all the little
0: topics we've touched on really kind of come back to how do we structure the whole system and how do we make all these kind of unique <clears throat> pieces that are very much Iowa pieces to this, right? The high, you know, when high school is how young, really, the sport of soccer is in uh, in the area. I mean, you know, we talked to Blair Reed last time on the pod about how, you know, in the late 70s and the early 80s, I mean, they're just, it didn't exist. So, you know, now you've got somebody like, you know, Blake who was born in the early 80s, and now he's got kids that are, you know, five and six years old, um, where you're, you know, you're teaching your boy to play soccer, and he's all around it all the time, and you know what you're talking about, where, um, you know, well, Kim, Kim Sievers maybe didn't know a lot about the game of soccer when you were growing up. You um, had a so six, pa- six pack on ice in the van, <laughs> That's right <on> the side <laughs> of the field in the cow. I remember that. So I think that uh, you know, I mean, some of this is like the fact that we're just you know a, a bit of a young soccer state. Um, but I think some of it too is uh, you know we're not we're not super thoughtful thoughtful overall over time. You know, I think it's probably one of those times where we need to like put the handbrake on
2: and everybody sits down together and we well, talk about it How and say, are okay. Holland and Belgium successful in soccer? Well, I don't know. right? They, they have to compete against either. France, Germany, England, Italy, countries of 60 million plus people. Their are population poor by relative standards, right? less than 10 million. Yet Belgium have been in ascendance for a couple years now. Holland seem to be back and have been great for 40 or 50 years. They have less space, less people, less resources, less money, everything, yet they finally compete. You have to be super efficient right it's not enough just to do stuff like for example the usda now exists we pretend that it doesn't exist it's not relevant to us but it is right but it is i I can remember we have some of our best players in the state going and playing at small d3 schools which is terrific i love going to those games it's as good as anything but those same guys 10 years ago were going and playing at the division one level right and it's not that we're doing so much less it's that Everyone's doing so much more, right? Kansas City did not used to be Soccer City, USA. What is their title now? The yeah. capital. It was not, it was, it was barely, you know, it was 10% ahead of Des Moines, right? They had some pro indoor soccer, but collegiate soccer, youth soccer, you know, in fact, they spent all their time comparing, them, comparing themselves and feeling quite poor compared to St. Louis, right? And now it's, it, it it's declares itself, yeah, the soccer capital, Right? And they have guys going all over the place and complaining at all kinds of high levels and supporting pro teams and, and hosting youth nationals, doing all kinds of stuff. It's a concerted intentional effort. You see what the opposition is doing. right? If if you're, if you're McDonald's and Burger King cuts in 4% into your sales, you don't just kind of hunt your shoulders and hope it gets better. You, you have a strategy, you have a plan, you have a plan. But what are we going to do? How, geez, we didn't think, we didn't think fish was a thing. We haven't spiced up filet fish, and now they came Remember, they, I think they had the whaler, which is weird to call it a whaler. It's not a whale meat, but they come with that. And you, 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 you get people in the room, and go, what's happening in your market, right? Filet fish started in Cincinnati because sales were so poor on Fridays. Big Catholic German and Irish Catholic town. McDonald's didn't want to have two people in the restaurant. What are we going to sell that's going to bring people in on Fridays? There's the Filet-O-Fish story, right? Okay. And then, But someone in Chicago, Ray Crocker, one of these guys at the headquarters, goes, look at this. These guys have Friday sales above everyone in the country. What are we doing? How do we do this? Right? So that means taking, what are they doing in Kansas City? What do they do in Texas? What do they do What they do to peer markets? Let's not even compare ourselves to Dallas and Kansas City. What are they doing in places like Des Moines across the country? So let's get and everybody. We've yep. ta- and we've talked about it, so I think that's our next. The people uh, in
0: the room. And, then, and I think it was once you get the people in the room, you know, like everybody has to say, okay, I'm, I do want to promote the game and make some progress. Well, and not and to then, talk,
2: to actually. Yes. Well, right the final step management. is to have political courage, right? Yep. This is what's so mad about a guy like Mitch McConnell. You see him like, he, <laughs> every time I see him on TV, I go, must you be a chicken the shit? Every Yeah. The must you. John Stewart called him out, you know, about the <laughs> 9-11, insurance for the 9-11 responders. This is the same thing here. In the end, you have to have political courage and know that what you're doing, this is to make the game better. Right to to make the tent bigger, to make your, your sport more inclusive and have more people playing obviously is important, but then to provide opportunities to, to improve the game not just for the top five guys, the top ten guys, but to bring the standard up for everybody, better facilities, access to more resources, right? Uh, this every, every, you know, when we have sponsorships for the state cups, it always comes from a national deal like Coles, whatever. Why is it not the Why is it not the High V State Cup? Right? Why is it not the pioneer or other, you know, the principal nationwide? Why? why have we not gone to inside of funding from those people? You know why? Because a lot of people are going to tell you, no, it's not fun to go out and raise money, but you've got to go do it. Right? You can do, do poll tabs or whatever they do for high school bands. I think we're selling mattresses. Our, our choral music program at Roosevelt was selling mattresses at the back of a truck. I got it. I, I applaud anything that helps raise money, but there's money out there. Right, you go watch the golf, the senior golf event last week, and <laughs> sponsors, rich everyone. white guys throwing sponsorship money everywhere and shutting down my street so I can't get to Joseph Donrass' house. <laughs> so,
0: much, so much trouble in your life. Yeah, a lot of stress. Um, so that's probably a good chance for us to transition into one last little topic because um, obviously, you know, Sean uh, probably rivaled Blair Reed there on his windiness, um, but we love him nonetheless, Uh, The project that we're working on separately, Sean and I, and then we also have a third partner, Matt Ream, uh, is Des Moines Wanderers Football Club. Uh, Sean, you want to
2: talk about it a little bit? I'm going to give you like the one-minute synopsis. Let's do it. Two things. Matt Matt Ream Ream moved here from uh, Milwaukee most recently, and he'd been part of the Bavarians Club, which have a long, I think it's their 90th anniversary this year, a tradition of men's amateur soccer. Number two... I was frustrated since my college days at Drake that our kids did not have an opportunity to play soccer organized good soccer during the summer and to train right their pick up games and so on and so forth and then you just love soccer right and still love to play the three of us came together on a chance meeting at lunch or breakfast one day and said you know we should do this so we started this program we've had up to probably 60 different young guys plus what we call the alums, guys who love soccer and still want to come out, like the legendary Eric Berg from Minnesota and uh, get his Viking helmet on last night. He He was at a training and Ben and your brother Park was there and uh, a couple of other older guys who jump in, Jake Meisel, who I always say single-handedly won a state championship at Ankeny High School. Um, And so we get together where we train twice a week, then we play open field twice a week. We've put together an eight-game schedule, eight, ten-game schedule against... Uh, some of the local uh, youth clubs getting ready to go to regionals and then other teams from Kansas City, Minnesota, Omaha, and... Dubuque. Dubuque. UPS uh, UPSL so, and NPSL. Yeah, component. it's been terrific. It's been terrific. We had uh, Tim Stork over at Nike. Nike gave us a little bit of help. We've got some sponsors. Who Central City Chipped Liquors in. is our jersey
0: sponsor, and then the legendary
2: course, Brian That's
0: Right, and then and then Kick Up also been a, a good supporter of for us. For full disclosure, for yes, full disclosure, of course,
2: yeah. so it's been terrific, and this is year two. We've grown it, and and our policy has been although we are trying to. Uh, Uh, have sort of the the highest level of soccer played by local guys. I stress that because uh, our whole team are either they're from Des Moines or some of them go to school in Des Moines. That was really important to our mission and uh, but number two, we've been inclusive. If you're a guy who plays college soccer and you want to get better, right? Because we made you had to be a high school graduate to participate. You want to get better and you just don't want to pretend to do your summer fitness program and play a little kick around once in a while. Then this is for you, and so, it's been fantastic so far. How do they? Uh, how on that note, how do those guys find find out more about who you guys are? DM Wanderers, Des Moines Wanderers FC on Twitter is probably the best way that most people find us. Is on yeah, Twitter. or yeah, or DM wanderers
0: FCcom
2: or uh, shoot.
0: Yeah, you can always shoot me an email. I'm just Ben bracket at DM Two T's on the bracket
2: is two that T's. Correct? That's two right. T's. Very good, Sean Holmes. Yeah, but but so we've had and and every day. Uh, Here's what happens. Every day, every week, we lose a couple of guys because they weren't really as committed as they thought they were, or they've got work, or, or the, what I call the uh, amazingly for, for guys in college, a lot of guys with family commitments. So yeah. I find that interesting. I got family stuff going on. That's always a beautiful excuse. But then every week, we got two new guys showing up. Yeah, right? I heard just heard them, about so this. Yeah. My buddy said, Can I come out? I said, If you're committed, if you're committed and you want to do this, you want to improve, then we'd love to have you. Right, so eventually we see a, a scenario where we'll have, you know, kind of like a super 20s, a U23s, and maybe a full men's team eventually where we grow it a little bit. Right now, it's, it's you know, we're still, uh, I wouldn't say we're disorganized, but it's a scramble because there's a new challenge every day, and the yeah. three of us are doing it on a voluntary basis to get it off the ground.
1: But you guys, I mean, now you've got, I mean, you've got a squad big enough where people are now competing for spots, Which is what you want. spots on the weekend, right? Yeah, want. absolutely. Yeah, I think that you see that in our,
0: our Tuesday and Thursday sessions, it's usually pretty competitive. Um, you know, like this weekend we play at Bug Eaters FC out of county, uh, seven o'clock on Saturday night in case you're, you know, fired looking, up, fired, fired absolutely. up. Absolutely. Uh, we'll be selling gear. Uh, it's free admission uh, or what we said, pay what you want for admission yeah. slash buy some gear, please. But we'll tell you
2: this, this is the most important thing is that this was about, this was kind of a locally grown initiative, right? For sure. We wanted it to be Des Moines guys because in the past, guys had to go away. I know you played for the mighty Vermont Voltage one summer. That's in the right, and the Rhode Island Stingrays. I forgot about that one. But we've had guys have to go away, right, to, to go to play good level soccer. And, and what we wanted to do was have something local that provided guys an opportunity to get better. And, and it's been fantastic so far. And I That's mean, true.
1: it's like the real deal, though. I mean, you guys have referees at the game. Yeah, no this is Training this is, kits, this is proper well, I mean, game kits.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Guys have training shirts, and we have nice uniforms, as we said, from from Nike and Central City Liquors. And it, it's been it's been good. I, I've I've been excited. The road trip we made to Minneapolis uh, three weeks ago was just it was good. It was a good vibe, and it's neat to see guys who were club opponents, high school opponents, uh, college opponents, right? You got Drake guys sitting next to Grandview guys sit next to Simpson guys sitting next to UMKC guys sitting next to Warper guys, and everyone's in the van and we were all wanderers, so it was kind of fun. And we came up with a name because, yeah, you know, we we just kind of we go from place to place, you know. We're still wandering for sure. Absolutely. Um,
1: well, thank again. For your recap. Well, hold on, yeah, again though, you guys you guys uh, don't do a very good job of promoting your social media and your next game. You guys gotta really hit that again. Well,
0: so follow us on Twitter at DMWandersFC. Um we don't do Facebook. We are on Instagram, also at DM Wanderers FC. Um and then our website is www.dmwanderersfc.com. First big I mean the biggest home game of the year so
1: far, arguably correct. Yep, Saturday yes.
0: evening, uh June twenty second at county, uh seven p.m. kickoff. We'll have gear for sale. They'll be selling beer out of the concessions. Um should be a Should be a nice little evening, so come on out and give us a little support. See uh, a big chunk of local talent playing against a group out of Omaha. Um, Should be fun. I'm excited. And we go back the next Sunday and play them at uh, Creighton's Morrison Stadium. Actually, it's, it's also a very big event because, unfortunately, Coach Holmes is on a little family vacation, so...
2: Uh, it's the debut of Ben Brackett uh, the 2000 assistant to the GM now he's gonna be Uh, the boss I'm the boss for the day and I did the laundry I laundered the uniforms the last two games so it's a little uh, teamwork
0: we're really we're trying to really you know kind of flatten out the the it's like Dan Aykroyd and Eddie Murphy in trading places exactly I'll be Eddie Murphy All right. well thank you Sean for your time we'll let you get on the road Um, uh, hopefully we'll have you back uh, and you can continue to uh, aspire to be our, uh, you know, sort of our, uh, who, who's it on SNL? It's, you know, our Justin Timberlake. Baldwin,
2: Steve Martin. Okay, I was going to call you our age <laughs> I was going to call you our Justin Timberlake. I, I would go, I would go Bal- <laughs> Baldwin, though a lot of people have compared me to him. And then I'm looking forward <laughs> to see the Kick It Forward tweet With when them. we see the, uh, what the, the, the memorabilia. This is like sort of like uh, when Arnold gives new memorabilia to the Hard Rock Cafe. Do you know what I mean? Like, this is an event. I'm looking forward to that tweet. I will retweet with comment. Ooh. well, Very good. With with comment. comment. Uh, Thanks again for your time, Sean. Thanks.
0: Thanks, guys. As we say, Blake, another day, another pod, another great interview with Sean Holmes. Sean, thanks again for your time. Um,
1: Blake... Did you enjoy that one as much as I did? It was. It was good, Ben. You know, we covered obviously a lot of a lot of uh, a lot of areas of soccer specifically related, related to here in Iowa and kind of the challenges we're facing. And you know, like we we've talked Ben uh, for quite a while now of you know having a little round table, I think that's kind of our next uh, that's what we have to kind of spend our time on next, getting these guys that are the big decision makers and the big impact people for soccer here in Iowa at a table. And I think we need to produce that and get that out there and see if we can't continue to grow, grow the game for the kids here in town. I love it, Blake. That's a great idea. I
0: think that we will have to pursue that. guess um, in the meantime, please uh, you know, don't be uh, put off by the length of that last podcast. I guess we're going to test our, um, our listenership and their attention. Um, or are their length of attention? Are they, are they are they able to
1: keep that uh, going for a whole hour and listen to uh, a lot of really interesting stuff? Yeah, our last two pods have been our two longest. So um, we'll see what our, our numbers do. Because our analytic team, you know, we, we took a little break from releasing the pods. And all of a sudden our listenership uh, went through the roof. You know, we're almost up to 2.5 thousand. <laughs> listens in, in total, which is awesome. I I love it. I love
0: it. Uh, well, thanks again everybody for listening. Uh, thanks to our sponsors for making this all possible. Scott Insurance Services. Bill Scott over there. www.scott-insurance-services.com. All insurance needs. Bill's your guy. Um, you know he's helped us with the kick it forward van. He helps us.
1: Uh, I know he does my personal insurance. Uh, Bill's the man. We love him. Yeah, I mean, you pick up the phone, call him if there's any issues he's always answering, which is super helpful. Um, the other guy that kind of answers their phone right away as well and helps you in times of need is our other sponsor, Michael Keener. Okay, let's try that one one more time, Blake. Michael Keener. There you go. Uh, attorney at law. If you ever need to get a hold of Michael, um, his email is M-K-U-E-H-N-E-R at griefsydney, G-R-E-F-E, S-I-D-N-E-Y dot com. Those guys are uh, big helpers, big supporters of Kick It Forward and
0: specifically our pod. Yeah, and we're uh, we're also getting ready to announce some, some new sponsors here soon as well. So uh, we're pretty excited about that. Uh, love it when we get some support for the pod. Um, and uh, we'll look forward to seeing you all, all next time.
1: Uh, say goodbye, Blake. Goodbye, Blake.